Welcome back in, folks. Good to be here. In for Jeff, Mike Siegel at the Kuna Report. Coming up now to 7.05. And we are joined by a gentleman who has uh, great insight into the Middle East, being there himself, being the former mayor of Shiloh, Israel. He's done several books about the Middle East. The latest is called Peace for Peace, Israel in the New Middle East. And certainly the situation in Egypt has great impact I suppose more than any other country on Israel, and uh, that's why he has great concern about it. We're delighted to have him with us. Mr. Mayor, good morning. How are you, sir? Thank you. Good to be with you, Mike. All right, let's get to it. Uh, the latest is that the this is being called Friday of Rejection by the Muslim Brotherhood. They uh, don't want to participate in an integrated government. Uh, the interim president, the former chief justice of the Supreme Constitutional Supreme Court, is saying that he wants them to get together, uh, President Adli Mansour, and uh, they don't want to go along. What, what What's going on here? Well, you have to remember that the Muslim Brotherhood had their man put into power. He, he was elected. Uh, there, there were free elections uh, held about a year ago. And true, they have been exploiting since then uh, the, their, their control of the Egyptian government, uh, along with other Islamic extremists, and they've been exploiting that to change the system and to, and to create uh, an Islamic state, a Sharia law-based state. And uh, they, th- that, that has been their main focus. Unfortunately, they have, they have turned the economy into a disaster zone. Uh, they, the crime has increased. So all of the day-to-day things uh, in people's lives have gotten worse under this Muslim Brotherhood government. Now, what happened is that there was basically an overthrow, a military coup, and the Muslim Brotherhood was thrown out. Well, now, given that uh, background, we go now to the arrest of Mohammed Badi, who is the top guy at the Muslim Brotherhood. Uh, his being arrested... And, of course, Morsi is under house arrest, basically. He's being held. The top leaders of his organization are being held. We now know that TV stations that were sympathetic to Morsi and the Muslim Brotherhood have been taken off the air. In fact, even a newspaper affiliated with the political arm of the Muslim Brotherhood uh, is not being produced. It wasn't produced on Thursday, at least, as it was supposed to be by the state. So it was state-owned newspaper. So the state now says, well, these guys don't exist anymore. Uh, Look, I don't like the Muslim Brotherhood. But the point is, if you're going to have a so-called democracy, if we had that kind of situation in this country, we don't turn off an extremist point of view or the opposing point of view. We allow it to be heard, even if we disagree with it. That's the premise of the First Amendment. They're just shutting these guys down completely. Is that going to create greater problems? Oh, it's, it's, it's no doubt going to create greater problems. Uh, we have to put this into context. We have to understand that the, the reality in the Islamic world is not like the American reality. The American reality is that freedom is an ingrained thing in the American psyche. Uh, the Americans believe in freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom of the press. All of those things are ingrained in the American psyche and in American society. So it's not just a question of free elections. In the Islamic world, uh, they believe in things like killing somebody who changes his religion or, or cutting off the hands 
of uh, of a shoplifter. Uh, that that's the Islamic world for you, and that that's eighty percent of Egyptians, according to a survey that was taken two years ago. So, in, throughout the Islamic world, they don't believe in the freedoms that Americans believe in. All they believe in is free elections, and they, they don't even believe in that because we just had free elections a year ago, and now they're throwing the guys out uh, forcefully, militarily, because they they're not happy with the way things are going. Uh, that's not the way things are done in a real democracy, in a real free country. Uh, so the Islamic world really isn't ready for freedom. Well, if, it, if it's not ready for freedom, then now you're going to have, it's all, it, it, it could almost be uh, like a ping pong game where, all right, for a year it's going to be the Muslim Brotherhood. For a year it's going to be uh, the secularists. Uh, for a year after that it will be uh, the Muslim Brotherhood again. In other words, how do you get stability and in a nation of that kind, and is the, is that problem in Egypt similar to other countries in the Arab and Islamic world? Oh, it's it's very similar. Look, the the last time that there was freedom in the Islamic in 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 Egypt was when Hosni Mubarak was in power, and he had his dictatorship a couple of years ago. And and the the countries that have been the most stable are the countries that have dictatorships. Take Saudi Arabia or or uh, Qatar, uh, or, or Jordan. Those, those are countries that have dictatorships, basically. They may call it royalty or kingship or whatever you, kingdoms or whatever you will, uh, but they're basically dictatorships. They're, they're not elected leaders. And that provides stability in the Islamic world. Because, you know, in, in my book, Peace for Peace, Israel in the New Middle East, I explained all this about how we're talking about two very different societies. We have Israel, which is basically a westernized society that believes in those freedoms, uh, that, that understands that a free press is the, the basis of a free society, that understands that, uh, that, that freedom of religion and freedom of speech are, are, are central components in a, in a, a truly free society. Uh, but they, they don't have that belief in the Islamic world. They believe in jihad. They believe in holy war against all non-Muslims. They believe that a, uh, that a, a man, a husband, should be entitled to beat his wife. Uh, that's not real freedom. That's that's uh, you know an Islamic system, an Islamic Sharia law-based system, which is anti-Western. It's contrary to everything that Americans believe in. You see, the problem with that, we're talking with David Rubin, the former mayor of Shiloh, Israel. The problem with that is that if a country wants to be whatever it wants to be domestically, that's great. But Sharia law is all about reaching out its tentacles everywhere. So in other words, if Egypt became uh, Islamic fundamentalist and carried out Sharia law, as Afghanistan did with the Taliban, as uh, Iran does, and you see that happening throughout the Middle East in a domino effect, then they're going to want to go to the rest of the world. You almost can't have uh, an Islamic fundamentalist nation and have any kind of coexistence. They don't believe in coexistence, from what I understand. Is that correct? That's, that's right. It's, Islam means submission. And submission, meaning those who don't agree with it, have to submit to it. And and uh, so, so that, what does that mean? That everyone, every single person, has to has to live the Islamic way of life, and there, there's no room for for 
private initiative. There's no room for people to uh, to live their lives the way they want to, and and that, that that's a real problem in a, in any society, and uh, especially in in a country like Egypt where you have 20% Christians who who want to live 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 religiously the way that they believe in, and and they're not being permitted to, and they're being persecuted repeatedly. And and that that's a big problem. Let me let me go through real quickly. We'll get to calls. Anybody wants to talk with uh, Mayor Rubin from Shiloh, Israel? The number to call is six one seven two six six sixty eight sixty eight. But uh, we see the United Arab Emirates and Kuwait both congratulated uh, interim President Mansour after he was sworn in. Most of the Gulf states have been really disturbed by the rise of the Islamists throughout the Middle East. So they're glad to see that a more secular approach now is going to be taken. Uh, and one after the other of these countries are congratulating. Kuwait's another one. Uh, you go right down the list, and these countries are very much supportive of this change. And I've been told uh, through my sources uh, who, who have connection with uh, Mossad and other organizations in Israel that, the, that, that actual cabinet members in countries like Saudi Arabia and Jordan express fear of Iran and fear of the growth of Islamist states in the Middle East. Is that a problem? Is that an accurate view, that these these countries have fear of their own Islamist state growing? Uh, yes. What what those countries want, and, and, and this, this uh, paradoxically, Israel has a lot in common with them. Uh, in Israel and also in Saudi Arabia and Qatar and Kuwait, countries like that, they want stability. They, they they want to see stability. They don't want to see turmoil in in those countries. And uh, so if if something will bring stability, so so they're in favor. And frankly, we're in favor also. Uh, Israel cannot afford to have terrorist attacks from from its southern border. It's bad enough that we have terrorist attacks from our northern border where the Hezbollah terrorist organization is ensconced in Lebanon. It's bad enough that we have terrorist attacks coming from Syria, uh, which is in ter- total turmoil, civil war right now. And, and it's, you know, we can't afford to have it from our, our long Egyptian border, where, where frankly, the, the country has been in turmoil for some time. I cannot guarantee, however, that this military coup is going to bring stability. I, I, I wish that there, there could be some sort of stability in Egypt. I don't think that's going to be the case. The Muslim Brotherhood and their Islamic fundamentalist allies are very, very strong. They're, about, they're at least half the country. And you're, you're going to see a lot more turmoil in Egypt, I predict. Well, and that's, that's going to be a problem, which means that we're uncertain about what the result will be. I think we have callers there at 617-266-6868. Let's get caller on the air. And you're on with Mike Siegel and our guest, Mayor David Rubin, former mayor of Shiloh, Israel. Good morning to you. Good morning, Mike. Mayor yes, Rubin, sir. how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Mr. Rubin, let me just look at the cultural differences and play devil's advocate. American people are on 70% of our uh, prescription drugs. We have violence in our streets. We have pornography. We have alcoholism. We have gay marriage. The culture is so in contrast to what the Muslim, and not fundamentalists, what the Muslims believe that uh, are not good for their children. So the pushback is, hey, look, 
We want to be like us. We don't want to be like you. Look at your culture and your society. We don't want our children to morph into the same uh, dangers that your society presents under freedom. What do you say to that, Mayor? Thank you very much. I'm sending you off the air. I thank you. It's a good question. Mr. Mayor, go ahead. It's an excellent question. Uh, In my previous book, The Islamic Tsunami, I... Um, subtitle is Israel in America in the Age of Obama. So in, in the Islamic Tsunami, I wrote about the the reality in the Islamic world is not as as the caller seems to think. Uh, the the reality is is that there is religiously sanctioned wife beating in in Islamic societies. There is religiously sanctioned prostitution. In Islamic societies, uh, there there is widespread uh, widespread uh, homosexuality in the Islamic societies. It, it, anyone who's who's been to Morocco knows that, and you know, just walks through the streets and you see it. Uh, they, but in in Islamic societies, it's 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 not public in the. It, they, they they won't come out and say that it's okay to have prostitution. They won't come out and say that it's okay to have child abuse. Uh, the the founder of Islam, Muhammad, was a child abuser. He he married. He had thirty one wives, and and one of those wives he married when she was nine six years old. When she was nine years old and not even physically mature, they consummated the marriage. Uh, so. Uh, you know anyone who preaches preaches to me about about how Islam is so moral and they're uh, they're just reacting against Western immorality. Uh, it's really not so. Read the Islamic tsunami, or or read Peace for Peace, and you will see exactly what is really going on in the Islamic world. It's it's. It's not as you might think. You forgot one, which is the fact that I uh, remember a case of a 17-year-old girl who uh, had premarital sex, and uh, her father then authorized the community. This was in the Palestinian territories, too, to uh, stone her to death, which was what happened to her. Yes, or we could add to that, or we could add to that that you have cases of of 84-year-old men in countries like Saudi Arabia, 84-year-old men who who married a, a 15-year-old girl. And it, this is something that the, the family can just decide to sell their daughter into this kind of slavery, uh, sexual slavery, basically. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a cruel thing. That's a business, actually, international trafficking, human trafficking. Uh, and uh, the, the, some of these uh, higher-ups in the, some of these Arab countries are right there in Islamic countries spending the money to get these... Uh, trafficked female slaves into their lives, into their uh, uh, group of uh, women that they have the control over. But it comes from the founder of their religion. And, and you know, Muhammad is considered to be the Sunnah, which means the example to be followed. Uh, so, so that's what they follow. All right, I think we have Howard on the line at WRKO. Uh, and you're on the air. Good morning. Good morning. Shabbat shalom. Uh, quick question. Uh, Mayor, just looking at American foreign policy, going back to the invasion of Iraq, how much would you say has contributed to the spread of Islamists in the Middle East? Isn't it true that, as an example, we don't hear in the American press that in Iraq, prior to the invasion, there were close to 400 Christian churches under 
50. So let's talk about American foreign policy has contributed to the disruption in the Middle East, if you could. I thank you very much. Uh, you could make the argument that as bad as Saddam Hussein was, he pretty much, for the most part, uh, brutally killed his own people, uh, but he didn't do a lot of international stuff until much later. Um, of course, then he started getting involved in going after Israel and giving families $25,000 for their uh, homicide bombers and their families, uh, giving their lives to kill Israelis. But um, is it worse now than it was before, I guess is what he's asking, because of going into Iraq? Uh, well, I, I don't think it's because of going into Iraq. I think that uh, how the war in Iraq was fought was a big mistake. Uh, you know, if it, if it was, was up to me, I would have... I would have sent in the troops to, to Iraq, done the job, and then turned over uh, the the region with the oil fields to the Kurds, and and let and then let them all fight it out. Let the Shiites fight the Sunnis, and and frankly, um, you know, I don't care. Um, the, it, it's a it, it was crazy for American soldiers to lose their lives uh, having this long drawn out war in Iraq. I I would have done the job and 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 then accomplish the goals and get out. Uh, the, well, one of the problems with wars these days is that we fight them uh, as if they are, are several-year marathons. There's no reason for it to be that way. Uh, the, the example of how to fight a war was the Six-Day War uh, in 1967 when, when Israel was attacked on all sides. And then it, it fought 100%. It fought to, to, to the death, and it... Uh, and, and thank God uh, we came out of that war uh, with, with uh, Israel's historical heartland back in our hands. Uh, that means Samaria and Judea, the so-called West Bank, uh, with the Golan Heights, the strategic Golan Heights, which has saved countless Israeli lives uh, because we have those areas again. Uh, when, when you fight a war, you have to fight to the maximum and, and fight quickly and fight to win. And I, I think since Vietnam, Americans have forgotten how to do that, and so have Israelis. Well, you know, the one thing, I, when I was up on the Golan Heights, the first thing I thought of was that it looked like an American suburb. It, it looks spectacular. And then um, a fellow who was in charge of that area, of public relations, Israel Ashad, took me up to the fence that separated Israel from Syria. And if you look across to Syria, it looks decrepit and run down and broken down, and they do nothing for their people over there. Uh, but yet the Golan Heights, since Israel took over, has a couple of wineries that have international uh, recognition, w winning world prizes and all of that, uh, lovely neighborhoods. And, um, and now there's some, there are some in Israel who would give back the Golan Heights to Syria to get peace. I find that astonishing. Is that possible? Well, I have to stress that there, I'm just going to rephrase what you said. There are those in Israel who would, who would give away the Golan Heights, or Samaria, or Judea, you know, the so-called West Bank, who would give them away to people who want to destroy us and people who want to, to wipe us out and drive us into the sea. Uh, the, the, these people would give it away uh, for a piece of paper, not, not for real peace, P-E-A-C-E. -E. You know, my book is called Peace for Peace, P-E-A-C-E -E for P-E-A-C-E, -E, because... What we want is real peace, uh, not not giving away our our land, strategic land, uh, with which that that they would use to destroy us. We, 
Uh, what we need is a, is real peace in Israel, not not a phony peace that's based on a strategic step that could that they can use towards destroying us. Well, since the charters of Hamas and Hezbollah both say the the destruction of Israel is uh, unex, is unequivocally the objective and the goal, it's going to be tough to do that with uh, Lebanon with Hezbollah running that, and with uh, the Palestinian territories with Hamas running that. Anyway, Noel is with us. Noel, you're on WRKO with our guest, Mayor David Rubin of Shiloh, the former mayor of that city. Hello. Try it again. Noel, are you with us? Oh, hi. Oh, I'm sorry. I fell asleep. Sorry. <laughs> well, I have to salute away. this gentleman, and I salute Israel. Now, he, he knows Ezekiel 36, 37, and 38. He knows the end game. Israel is a champion of nations. And I love Israel, and I love all of all of every inch of Israel. I'm coming over there for a visit, and I'm bringing my team with me. Now, we're praying for Israel constantly. Well, I appreciate that. You have a yeah, question? Yeah, and there's a lot of us who are hidden. We're not, we're not coming out until the time is ripe. Okay, I appreciate it, Noel, and I thank you very much for that support. Let me ask you real quickly here, Mayor, about uh, Muhammad, uh, Mahmoud Abbas, I should say, saying now, of course, he runs Fatah, which is supposedly the moderate group in the Palestinian territories. He is commending the takeover in Egypt because he thinks it's going to create problems for Hamas and that Hamas might not any longer uh, ultimately have the control of the Palestinian territories because the Muslim Brotherhood lost in Egypt and therefore won't be able to support uh, Hamas in the territories. What about that? Well, you've already answered the question. Uh, the, uh, Fatah, uh, which is the, the, the controlling... Uh, force, shall we say, the controlling party or faction within the Palestinian Authority, uh, they're, they're against Hamas because Hamas won their elections in 2005, and since then they've been fighting violently with each other. Uh, so, of course, uh, Fatah wants to see uh, the, the Hamas elements in Egypt, meaning the Muslim Brotherhood, uh, go down, and, and they're very happy to see the Muslim Brotherhood go down, and they're hoping that that it will hurt Hamas as well. It probably will hurt Hamas, uh, but I, I think you, we could expect Hamas to be a little bit more aggressive now against Fatah because uh, they're going to have to assert themselves now. Well, if if Hamas were to lose its power and control, and and um, Fatah became hypothetically at least the controlling force, political force in the territories, wouldn't that be better for Israel? to be able to negotiate in some way with uh, Mahmoud Abbas and Fatah? We've got about 45 seconds. Not necessarily, because Mahmoud Abbas and Fatah, uh, the, the, the heads of the Palestinian Authority, uh, they, they may wear suits and ties, uh, but the fact is that they want to destroy Israel no less than the Hamas does. Uh, they just hide it a little bit better. Well, you've answered it quickly, succinctly, and to the point, and... Uh, not with a lot of encouragement, but the truth sometimes hurts. Uh, Mr. Mayor, I thank you very much. A pleasure to talk to you this morning, and uh, we appreciate your time. People can check out your books at Amazon.com, and uh, we thank you for your time on the program. Thank you, Mike. Have a good day, sir. That's uh, Mayor David Rubin, the former mayor of Shiloh, Israel, uh, with an update on what's happening in Egypt. If you want to respond to all of that, feel free at 617-266-6868, how this Egyptian thing affects us in the United States. Mike Siegel for Jeff Cooner at Boston's talk station, WRKO.